Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up? And welcome to the Mitchin Table, which is where we record the Mitchin Podcast every week. My name is Andrew Levins, co-host of this podcast, where we talk about food, the food industry, what happened in the food world this week, and uh, we make some cool jokes about it. My co-host for the day <laughs> and every episode is Mitchell Orr, who you can find cooking at Acme, and he's currently sitting at his own table. Mitch, how you doing? Good, Levs. That was much better than last week. I'm significantly more sober this week. <laughs> Is that a good thing? We can we'll, find we'll out later. Find out. We'll find out. So uh, this week, we've got a couple of legends on the uh, podcast and Mike Eggett, as usual. <laughs> I never, I never <laughs> get a rap, ever. Never. Not once. It's too easy. It's too easy not to. You've got the worst material. It's always the same. I know. I've got to go back to what works, bro. So this week, we have from Mamofuku Sebo, Kylie Javier Ashton. G'day, mate. That's nailed it. <laughs> Thank Better you. than Puss last week. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, from drinks and just generally being a <laughs> absolute knockwit and knockabout industry guy, Joel Amos. Hi. And one Possible. of the one of the true legends of the industry, currently head chef at Fish Shop and Bistro CBD, Jeremy Strode, aka the Truth. Thank you, having me. Now, every week we talk about uh, a few things that have happened in the last week. Um, the biggest news, I guess, for us is uh, our good friend Clayton Wells' restaurant, Automata, got reviewed in the Herald yesterday and got a lovely review. And we'll be talking about reviews and our experiences with reviews of getting reviewed ourselves and what reviews and scores even mean to the Sydney restaurant scene these days. Um, Mitch, what else are we going to talk about? Uh, I don't know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you definitely did when I asked you before we hit record. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was just making it up because uh, Strady was asking questions and I wanted to look professional. But now I'm a bit nervous that he's here. <laughs> well, I'm so nervous that he's here. It's a bit daunting. <laughs> but um, before we get into it, I just wasn't wanna... it, it was going to be Mark Best, wasn't it? At one point, <laughs> yeah, Bessie's not back yet, so we'll yeah. get him on next week. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just wanted to link back on something that we mentioned in I think episode three. Yeah. About um, patenting recipes and stuff like that. Uh, is it patenting or patenting? Oh, I know my, my, my track record with, with you know, pronouncing things on this podcast patenting. isn't that good. <laughs> patenting? Yes, yeah, definitely patenting. So, about patenting. It's pronounced portomata. <laughs> <laughs> very, very grey area, that one. It huh? is, it is. So, um, one of our listeners and someone that's about to come and work for me, Harry, uh, sent us an email that Levens didn't bother reading for about a month. Shout out so, to me. Uh, to another podcast on NPR Radio by the name of Planet Money, and episode 399 is actually called Can You Patant a Steak? <laughs> <laughs> so they delve into that topic a little bit more deeply. So if you're interested, uh, check that out. And if you don't really give a shit, then don't worry about the last five minutes. Why <laughs> deeply do you mean professionally, like unlike ourselves? Maybe just... a little bit more professionally than we do, yes. <laughs> We that just talked shit and yeah. didn't achieve anything. If you want to send me an email that I won't read, please send it to themitchin 
at gmail.com. It also <laughs> might be the Mitch and Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> the best bet is probably to get it to Harry so he can <laughs> yeah. pass it on to Mitch. Harry yeah. at the <laughs> In all honesty, just send it to info at weareacme.com.au and Cam can deal with it from there. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, if you want to find us on Facebook, we are facebook.com slash the Mitchin. And uh, got some pretty good stats in the last week, so thanks so much for your support. <laughs> Do we Big get numbers. any iTunes feedback? Oh, we've got, we've got a, quite a few reviews of, on, on my iTunes account. Were they all shit? Oh, so people actually listen? People yes. actually listen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Shit. Do you want to hear the actual numbers? <laughs> Do you know that more than 1,000 people have downloaded every episode in the week that after it comes out? Really? Like I downloaded it this morning. Thanks for like, being shit, one of the, one of the, the many. I going on. Yeah, that's what Phil did too. Phil, yeah. didn't even, Phil was halfway through and still didn't even know what he was doing. Uh, Phil, yeah. Phil who? Phil, Phil Wood from Rockpool. Previous guest, possibly the worst guest of the mission <laughs> so far. No possibility. He'll, no never, possibility. he'll never hear it too. Say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we were halfway through the episode and he was like, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I want to catch up with you guys and... and uh, and and Gessley, you know, we we have you in to to talk about cool things that happen, but also cool things that are happening to you. And so, the coolest guy at the table is definitely Joel Amos. So Joel, <laughs> wow, Joel has been uh, a fella that has always been the one guy. Uh, ever since I, I knew him as a uh, as a another budding young DJ such as myself, um, that, that was literally ten years older than you, but <laughs> <laughs> literally. Oh, metaphorically. <laughs> um, and uh, after basically helping out on, on, on wine menus around Sydney and other restaurants around Australia as well, right? Yeah. Um, you've now kind of founded your own incredible website and distributor called Drinks, which is spelled D-R-N-K-S. That you yes. run with Ned. Yeah, Brooks. well, Ned, uh, Ned has a bit on his plate outside of drinks. We have a wholesale business together as well, which um, is called Brooks and Amos. And then he's also, he runs Moon Park. In Redfern, so he's obviously very busy with that. But um, yeah, drinks has been going. It's been going since November, not last year, but the year before. But we didn't sort of tell anyone for about four months just to make sure it worked before we told people about it. And then the idea has always been to do an actual shop, to not just be on the internet. And we have an opportunity for the month of October um, by taking over one two one BCs shop which is in surrey hills but they have a um they have a little bar there and then one whole side of the space is a retailer and we'll have about 120 wines available for the entire month changing over here and there but yeah on a a scale of one to ten how funky will those wines be (laughs) um one (laughs) (laughs) so are you going to be in the shop Every day or? Yeah, I'll be there every day at some point. We're not open Sunday, Monday, but from Tuesday to Saturday, yeah. And what I am, hours? Um, it's three till nine, the shop. Yeah. The bar's open till later though. Yeah. And you can buy from the shop and drink it in the bar later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do Thursday nights, but I'll definitely be there over the weekend. And Popping every Saturday, out. Arvo, from 2.30, we're doing free tastings. And that's starting this Saturday, this, right? Yeah, if Which this is. goes out... Saturday out, All right, the cool. 3rd? Yep, Saturday the 3rd of October from 2.30pm. There's right. uh, I did the list last night. There's um, uh, C. Vintners from Western Australia, which is doing all Australian for the first one because they've obviously never... Oh, I should have mentioned that place is only Italian wine, which is why we're doing it there. So now there'll be... I dropped the stock off today and it's French, Spanish, Austrian, German, Greek... There's sake from Japan, Australian, New Zealand, South African, US wine, um, and uh, and a vodka from Australia as well. Um, vodka and o. A, 
Vodka O, yes. Yeah, Yeah, at a very exclusive (laughs) vodka that only we get our hands on called Vodka O. (laughs) Um, Trademark. (laughs) Um, And uh, and a whiskey from Japan as well. But uh, yeah, I forgot what I was saying because of... A bunch of stuff, so whatever. But come down. Uh, Yeah, so there'll be like Australian Wines Open Saturday. So come and try and learn more about wine or... Get drunk for free, depending on what your vibe is. Have you got a website with all that info on it? Uh, yeah, it's just it's all on our site, which is drnks.com, but it's probably best just to look at our Instagram because that has everything on it all the time. Great content. <laughs> Solid. So we'll expect a check in the mail next week for that promo. Yeah, Thanks. yeah okay. trademark. <laughs> I'll expect three bottles of vodka. <laughs> um, uh, what, what is vodka? Oh, vodka is just that, isn't that like the cheap Australian... Vodka yeah, brand? it is. Yeah, Carly knows what I'm talking about. I know. Yeah, I'm it's a cheap Australian. <laughs> Shout out to us. <laughs> um, I just realised that there's only there's only three chefs out of the six of us today. Is that a record? Probably. Yeah. Nice buttons. Yeah. Well, you. Can- oh, is Mikey a chef now? <laughs> <laughs> just just this week to make up the numbers. <laughs> Although Carly, we have talked about your your cooking in the past, in in, in, in particular Ooh. your manoffee pie. Manoffee oh, pie. Yeah, okay. pie. Manoffee. Lev's <laughs> getting drunk. No, no. Uh, the reason I can't believe you're talking about my and pie. Carly like was that. saying she's wearing whites now. She's wearing whites now. Well, well, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yes, yes, it's true. I've been in the kitchen helping out on the pass um, for the last couple of months, which has been super fun. Um, seeing the. <laughs> <laughs> seeing the restaurant from a different perspective and um yeah i guess we're cool chef's jackets and braggart no less very braggart. fancy very in fancy. there so i'm a token white chef jacket wearer but not really <laughs> i can't really cook anything except for banoffee pie <laughs> but it's pretty fucking good banoffee thank you pie. you don't actually really cook anything no no you cook oh, the you, caramel you make you, you make the dolce yeah but um yeah it's, I think it's going to become the um, the main dish of the Mitchin is your banoffee pie. I should have brought one can today. We, can we, you should have. Can we go into the history of it? Did you start making yeah. it at Bentley? I did. I started making it at Bentley and I was like, okay, I had a banoffee. I think it was the one at, um, at Cafe Sopra. Right. And I was like, this is delicious. I want to make one. So then I set out to start making it and I tried a couple of recipes and then I tried the caramel like so many different times and I was working at Bentley at the time. And then I kind of got it to the place where I really liked it and it was when Wiley and uh, Stupak came out to do the WD-50 dinner. So I was like, I'm going to make you a banoffee. And I was like... Oh my god! Shit! What have I done? <laughs> like I'm gonna make freaking Stupak a dessert. Like yeah. you idiots. That's Alex Stupak, one of yeah. the best pastry chefs in the world, who now owns a taqueria in New York, which Mikey doesn't give a shit about apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so Mikey's face you. just gave that place a really good review. <laughs> it was fantastic. Mikey's face just did a taco impersonation. <laughs> hey, I realized one other thing. What's that? Everyone here, except for one person, but they do have a connection. Has worked at Duke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. but... I was going to talk about that, actually. But the one thing is that when Limbo... Do you remember? ...had forgotten to cook, so had to open a restaurant for Jamie, <laughs> he went and worked for you that again. Very briefly, for a yeah, bit. But, yeah. But we had... Bistro had his fifth birthday party. Yes. Oh, it did. Love these guys. There's, there's a lot of history. history. Stoner? Stoner dinner? Stoner what a dinner. table. Oh, mate. So, if you don't remember, mm. Kylie used to manage Duke. And what was Duke again? Even though I remember very well, but please tell everybody else. <laughs> I fucking hate every man. <laughs> it was a restaurant that was nearly as good as the Carrington. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that review. Shots fired. 
<laughs> so it was a restaurant yeah, above not the Flinders Hotel. Not shots fired at Jamie Worth, for the yeah. record. Shots fired at the Sydney Morning Herald. Yeah. <laughs> it was a restaurant above the Flinders Hotel in Darlinghurst. Yeah, Which Kylie managed, myself and Tom Lim were head chefs at. Uh, Mikey came and worked for quite a while. You're there as well. Yeah. Levens did about three shifts before he threw himself in the deep end of the dip. Yeah, he did Amazing. some stages. Yes, yeah, some stages. <laughs> Which were more, more shifts than I did there. Yeah. <laughs> and Joel and wrote our wine list. Joel wrote the wine list and was a general pest. And Stradie's probably Tom Lim's biggest mentor. Who probably taught him. Yeah, yeah, probably taught Limbo everything he knows. Yeah, he has a he has a, a tattoo of your face on his back. <laughs> Does he? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> How come you've seen it? I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know, Stradie. <laughs> um, so we did, we did Mitch, Dan Hong, Thomas Limbo, and myself did a stoner dinner there at Duke Bistro, and it's. Do you still get pestered about it? No, not really. I'll still do like interviews, like music interviews, and they'll be like, oh, I saw a few years ago you did a stoner dinner with Dan Hong. When are you going to do another one of those? I would like to do another one. I always think about doing another one, but Hong is too famous and shit now. So. <laughs> Can't you just draw the curtains down at Mr. Wong and just like smoke it up in there? That'd be fucking amazing. I don't know if Justin would let us do that. Justin would be the first one there. Probably. So but this was, the stoner dinner was, yeah, it was a degustation of, of disgusting... Ideas oh, do you remember the bong water soup? <laughs> oh. That was so good. Did we made all bong these bongs. Soup? We made it all these bongs exactly. out of plastic bottles and then poured the broth into the pl- a plastic mushroom, bottle. A mushroom broth. It was a mushroom broth and then poured that over. It looked heinous, table. but it was actually the most refined course of the entire night. And we made at least two people throw up <laughs> from yeah. the food, from eating too much food. Like one of the courses was... So, you know, there's a, a Luther burger, which is a cheeseburger served on a grilled Krispy Kreme donut. And then there's a Juicy Lucy, which is a cheeseburger where instead of there being che- pieces of cheese over top of the meat, you cook the cheese into the meat. In the middle. So you, yeah, so right. you bite into it and the cheese. So we made, we made a Juicy Luther. Is this um, the stoner dinner or current menus in Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right. it was, Taking it was inspiration, mate. Duke, Duke started a lot of things. My favourite food, food term point of all time, which was dude food. Hey, I, yeah. I, the beginning I, of the dude food. Isn't there a stone dessert still on that Miss G's? Is that still on there? Or? Yeah, it's yeah. up to about or version 17.5 yeah, right. yeah. or something now, I think. I loved dude food so much that I was forced to call my cookbook that. <laughs> I <laughs> win. That? They re-released the it. Release. It's, it's dude it? food. Just diner at yeah, first, diner. and then yeah. if you listened to the podcast last week, you would have known, Joe. Well, I did. I've only listened to I've listened to most of the podcast from last <laughs> week. He, he outed himself last week as the uh, king of dude food, and had a cookbook. <laughs> it was terrible. It's true. You can find it. <laughs> it was terrible that I did that, or was it terrible? Was all terrible. All Everything terrible. was terrible. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of not terrible, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Best, Lovely intro Best segue ever um, yeah, so, so Speaking of not dude food Yeah, totally <laughs> um, So last week or The week before that You, you were involved in a, uh, a dinner That was a fundraiser oh, yeah. for the RUAK You organised it Huge just involved. You kind did of, all the organisation Well, kind of my idea And um, some I thought about for three or four years We had lots of ideas on paper And I'd asked a few people You know, a while ago to do it And then just didn't get around to doing it <clears throat> and then we went to Melbourne last year and did the War Festival with Ben Shuri, which is a very kind of inspirational, pretty amazing three days, actually. So that sort of gave me a bit of a kick in the bum to see what somebody could achieve, you know, from a sort of, not a single person, but a small business point of view. So I thought if somebody could shut their restaurant for three days and get all that done, then surely I can organise a dinner. So that was very inspiring. And 
Are you, um, are you okay is a is a big awareness movement yeah. for, for mental health and yeah. especially depression. Yeah, and, and I mean the nitty gritty of it is suicide prevention, which is yeah, it's pretty serious. But um, kind of something I've been thinking about a lot in our industry, you know, with um, you know, I was brought up in that kind of I trained in that sort of hierarchical brigade system, you know, that old French style. Um, Being yelled at, bit of bullying, yeah, like you know, lots of screaming and shouting and pretty unnecessary stuff, really. So I've kind of, I like the idea of sort of nurturing people and looking after youngsters, and so yeah, we focus on that quite a lot now. Yeah, it's good as um, a business. Yeah, it, it's been brought up a few times by a few guests on the mission in, in, in that that our the the the, the generation um, of of most of the people that come on here mm. uh, is is considerably more friendly than than that's than, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, have you, have you noticed that? Oh, it's huge. Yeah, massive difference. Do you it's think a it's a positive change. thing for the industry or a negative? Oh, no, or is no, it's both? great. I don't think it's. I mean, you're always going to get a bollocking now and again. That's mm. not going to change. I mean, that's. Like, do you find it's just the way you go about it, isn't it? Yeah. It's the way you go about it. Do you find there's a lack of, like, respect through the the rankings these days? Though, like, you find people give like two days notice when they quit. That does happen a lot. I have that to never say. used to happen, did yeah, it? Yeah, no, was, you're right. I'm not um, saying that bollockings are good, but. There does seem to be a break. There is part of a younger generation now that kind of treats it as a bit blase, isn't it? They don't Mm -hmm. take it quite as seriously. But I Um, think that HR is like a big thing as well. Mm. Like that's come into the hospitality industry um, that we sort of fought for a long time, Mm. but it's going to be. Well, we've got a huge department of that. You know, um, like I think that that's going to be more and more of a of an issue for smaller businesses because you know when you are part of a bigger corporation or, yeah. or or a bigger establishment you have all of those things in place but you know for a small business and some of the restaurants that i worked at i mean even a duke like yeah. if we had ever had hr issues and you know of course you mm. know when you work in kitchens and in that kind of environment and i think it's pretty inevitable um like how do you deal there with that no go, you know? no, yeah. Yeah. i mean i think it is part problem. of it is though we have to real you have to realize that you're not working in an office where you, if someone upsets you, you send an email to HR and it gets dealt within a week and you have a fucking meeting. Like, hospitality is immediate and direct and, yeah, you know, everything course, happens in the moment. Yeah, of professionalism you know what I mean? that, you know, we have to also take on board um, and we've got to move with the times too, you know? I, like, I mean, I think yeah. that there's... We're going to have no choice but It's to, happening already. Yeah, yeah, it has right? to, yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, yeah I, I think it's good in a way and it's also a shame in a way because, you know, like, if... The customer doesn't give like if a customer waits an hour for their meal and it's shit or whatever, they don't care why. Yeah, you know what course. I mean? And you can't be in the kitchen going, "Oh, can you please?" You know, sometimes you got to put your foot down and shit needs to happen. Be but on the is floor that like a, more of a question of better management skills? You know what I mean? Like it's sort of I think that it's it all interlinked, medium. right? Yeah. Yeah, it has it's to be not just medium. a matter. And like I think that that's one of the biggest things for me is you get to a point in your career where like what you have to do as a manager has got no nothing to do with what you've been doing for the last like 10 years of your life yeah, so 100%. you know you're a manager and like all of a sudden it's got nothing to do with cooking it's got nothing to do with setting a table or wines and all of a sudden you need like this set of skill sets that no one's taught you how to really do yeah, with I think right? I think though that like Mitch's point though there's people skills and there's management and that's really key leading up to things but I think I think you find when people like crack the whip it's because when you were training yourself, there came a point when someone cracked the whip at you and you took yourself to another level. Yeah. And it's that, it's that service moment. It's that time when mm. you didn't think you could cook 20 steaks at once and you were sitting on eight and someone pushed you and they 
broke you. Like yeah. they basically break you. And so then you're kind of trying to pay it forward. And it sounds really like negative, but it's actually a positive thing. And until Sometimes. you get pushed, you don't know your limitations. Yeah, yeah you have fear holds people back. You have yeah. to manage, like not everyone's the same. Like some people react to being yelled at and having a foot put up their bum. And some people react to being nurtured and come on, like encouraged and stuff. So you have to learn people management skills to manage that. Mm. And I mean, I don't yell these days because no one will listen to me anyway. <laughs> but, but I think there's an inspiring way you can go about it. I, yeah, I think mm, the, yeah. there was a, I think that sort of nasty side to it mm. sort of disappearing a bit, you know, which is good. There's a good yeah, hospitality yeah. one of getting yelled at now, but then like 10 minutes later, the same person talking to you about how they just yelled at you. Yeah. That always works yeah. for me if they do it like yeah. that. Can't, it's just the yelling, yeah. the yelling, and then nothing happening. It's, it's, you're, yeah, you're it's, a much, not, it's not personal. It's exactly. a business, and it's immediate, and shit needs to happen now. So let's fucking go. And then I'm not angry at you. I'm not upset with you. We're still friends. And I'm sorry. I I think the main, moment, yeah, the point know. I'm making is it's just the way you go about it. It's the mm. things you can say and don't so say. You know, you're a much yeah. uh, more senior and better chef than mm. say myself and Mitch here. And you've, I don't know about better. You've trained, yeah, hundred percent. You've trained more I'm, people. I'm probably a bit better. Yeah, uh, Joel <laughs> makes a wicked cheese. Uh, I'm going to agree with Joel. <laughs> can, is there a way to get people through that that fear, through that 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 anxiety where they're holding themselves back without pushing them? Like, how do you get people through that? You know, how do you motivate how people? How do you get them into that un- we, unknown? We tend they- to, a, a, lot of, a big part of what we do now, we tend to sort of sit them down out of the, take them away from that environment. Exactly. Yeah. Sitting down somewhere else. So you wait, Have you a chat, wait. get to know them a bit more. You know what I mean? You got, I think you've got to know your team individually. Does that work? So yeah. like no, middle of service, well. busy lunch, you've got 50 well, no, squabs cooking. Obviously not the middle of service, obviously, but I think um, if you are a good manager, you're going to, Get to know your team individually, and you're going to know their strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, hopefully that can you know. So one of but the, I do understand the point you're making. Yeah. It is a, it's a very it's a fine line, isn't it? One of the biggest problems that I reckon comes back to say the the stress and the the mental issues in the kitchens and and floor stuff is the hours that we do. And in Australia, it's one of those tricky ones. Is there a way that we can pay? <laughs> Levin's, Levin's the most professional microphone user of all of us just dropped his mic on yeah, the floor. Yeah, but I turned my mic off before I dropped it because I'm very professional. Is is there a way that we can like honor people's wage and have restaurants sustain themselves? Because it is that's a tough a, one. That's another How do you manage the, point, the, yeah. the mental issue, the mental stress of working 70 hours a week and, and pay people and not go bankrupt? That's very hard as a small business. I understand that. I mean... Most chefs in America now wouldn't do more than 50, 60 a week. Yeah. Not the the With the backing of a massive multi-million company, you know, like when you had Bistrode back in the day, it's a very different story. Yeah, three of us in the kitchen, yeah, we were doing, yeah, 70, 80 hours a week. And that's when the mental stress really, that's when it really digs in. Yeah. And so, uh, is it, there's no way to avoid that, is it? Like we say back uh, in the day, but it's all happening it's now still, anyway. It still happens. Yeah. Small yeah. business is small business, yeah. Do you think that's a part of why there's such a massive lack of staff in the industry now? That yeah, people are scared of? Yeah, struggling to find, yeah, good, yeah. I mean, the, the archetypal apprentice doesn't exist as commonly as they used to, do they? They're yeah. not queuing up at the door, that's for sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, you know, youngsters are under a lot more pressure... Than they were when I was younger. I think you know socially. I think you know. I don't know what would you say to people that were thinking about becoming a chef? How would you lure them into the industry? Like, what would you give? What, what would you say they get out of becoming a chef? Or and Kylie, maybe you can answer for the other side after. But like to to the encourage the seventeen side. year old to come and join and be a chef. Ten years from now, when they're twenty seven, like what what do they have to look forward to at the well, end I mean, of it? Yeah, I mean you got to 
I mean, obviously it's a huge commitment and I think, you know, going, going with somebody, you know, either a young chef like you guys or somebody older with me, you know, somebody has a reputation, you know, go and work for somebody that has got a bit of a track record, you know. You've got to start there, haven't you? I mean, you've, yeah. got, to, you've got to get some... Um, some notches on you, yeah, and, and longer r- than three months too. Not just oh, well, three exactly. You got to do. Yeah. I mean, next, jump to please do a year at least. To, to and it's rewarding with, you know? at the exactly. end, isn't it? Well, exactly. Yeah. Like when you become a chef, it's yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. If that's what you really want to do, yeah. Well, that's what I always say. Like, if you have a passion for for cooking or for food or whatever, be front of house, back of house. Oh. And you're an 18 year old or a 17 year old coming out of school, and you have all these social pressures of going to friends' parties and this and that. It was never a question for me personally, but I know, you know, I was just like, I've got to work. Sorry, I can't come. As long, a yeah. lot of kids don't get that. But when you think about, like, it's short-term sacrifice for mm. long-term gain. Yeah, and as long as you don't go into it thinking it is overly glamorous, like a lot of people yeah. do. It's been it's romanticized still, a lot now. Exactly. How do you guys go with stages? Do you, are you allowed to have stages? We have, we, they're not common, but we, you know, we can have them, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we're but not. More work experience. Oh, really? The casino only, yeah? Yeah, we're, I mean, just, I think it's... I so it's, it's more, more work of, experience um, type thing really than yeah. stagiaire as such yeah but just for liability and all that kind of stuff like we're just not allowed to have people mm. work without being paid and I think that that's like an, an increasing trend um, in Australia like everybody's just mm. covering themselves but um, Acme's, you know like Acme's in, happy to take stages if anyone <laughs> wants to come work for free I will say as well I mean dr- going, back to, step, <laughs> going back a step going back a step I can't think of another time when the industry has been more exciting to mm, get into exactly. as well. That's you know, like, thing, yeah. And again, thanks to you know you guys opening restaurants and Joel, Joel thanks to you, mate. What are they? What are they? It's um, made the industry the <laughs> yeah, most it's exciting it's, it's ever been. Good, I've good, been in Australia, you know, twenty five years, and it's an amazing, can, can an I amazing ask, position though, at the moment. You know, just uh, a perspective of um, not necessarily mine, but if you're eighteen and you're not you're not going to go to university. And so maybe you are looking at something like exactly, cooking. Yeah. Do you think Australia is causing problems by putting guys on 180 grand a year to go and dig holes in the ground in Western Australia? Like, do you think that hurts your industry? I mean, ours. Yeah, I've, I've never thought about that. But are you I, talking about truffle farmers? <laughs> I always think that, um, like, apprenticeships, like an apprentice earns pretty good money now. Like right, we okay. used to earn shit money mm. for heaps of hours, but now yeah, well, that's how I you have to it. pay an apprentice X amount for thirty hours, and then they get paid double time for anything above that if they work past ten pm. And you okay. can't get around that anymore. The penalties are so huge that if you come to an agreement with an apprentice and you get caught out, you're fucked. Well, yeah, because you, you know? guys were saying a couple of weeks ago, which I agree with entirely, that like I mean, hospitality is an industry that Australia should be getting behind as a whole because it's something we'll, we're very good at. Yeah. Have the produce for, and we'll be able to do forever. But uh, yeah, I just, I just wondered if, you, it's, if you'd it's ever true, though, the, the skills trades. It's probably down I know there. If you looked at uh, Rockpool Bar and Grill in Perth, to use as an example, I mean, their staffing issues were insane yeah. because no one was ever going to go and work there as a waiter yeah. Yeah. for sixty grand a year when, when you could jump on a plane once every two weeks yeah, and I'm, earn three times that. I think the whole uh, training for chefs could do with an overhaul. Like, I think the TAFE thing mm. is really obsolete. Date, yeah. Like, I think one of the things that I was talking about with a friend the other day is instead of doing all the the dated food techniques, you know, you should do um, like a small section. should be electricity, should be plumbing, should be basic handyman stuff because the amount of money you're paying in a kitchen to do... You know, get fix the guys the out to fix yeah, pipes right dollars yeah. every you know? time you pick up the phone. And That's amazing. You know, it'd be it'd be better, and also it would maybe attract some of the people from 
those other skills to come become chefs if there was a crossover you know so maybe people doing the electricity ticket or their plumbing ticket would see what it's like to be a chef and come in because it is it is a hard one to lure people in because the money and the hours it's just that's the thing as well because the government's made apprenticeships a more attractive offer financially now Mm. to try and lure people in but i feel like now they come in and they they have all these perks and they earn good money when they're Mm. apprentice as soon as they get qualified yeah all that ends they also just double the price of tafe though yeah fucked so that but they finish their apprenticeship and they go oh well fuck this i don't get all these perks i've got to work way more hours for almost less money Mm. so then they leave the industry anyway yeah like plumbers can become independently employed four years after they've started and you just can't do that with in in a kitchen kylie what would you say to people wanted to become professional front of house because we don't have a lot in australia it's it's one of the differences between here and europe and america yeah we have some amazing stuff but it tends to be that like even yourself you you, i watched you in foraged you know yovan there's another throwdown to you um and you said you kind of fell into becoming a professional in this industry yeah definitely i mean like i it's not something that you aspire to be you know really like how many kids when you ask them in primary school like what do you want to be i want to work in a restaurant like it's not you know and there's i think that especially in this day and age we're almost more back of house now you know front of house is going towards being more that behind the scenes because it is more about the chefs which is fantastic um so it is really difficult unless you're a sommelier you know um which is one of the really exciting paths I think that it can take you down. I mean, I think who that, doesn't that, want to drink that, wine all day? That does eventually cap out as well, though. Yeah, you know, like yeah. there is a, you can speak to plenty of MSs, uh, master master sommeliers in the around the world that their careers really have gone as far as they'll Same ever go. Way. You yeah. know, and I mean that's why a lot of the guys who are sort of forty plus now, pretty much just look for ways to monetize it because yeah. Who wants to... Whether doing consultancy or selling booze or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, look, I think that, you know, hospitality is a very, you know, for all the long hours and it's not super glamorous, it's It's, a super rewarding industry. You know, like when you get instant feedback, like how many industries can you say you're there with the guest and you can... It's like instantaneous and the reward is instantaneous yeah. as well. Like you you do your service and you see the results straight away. And for me, like that's so important because you can make adjustments real time as well. You're not waiting for, you know, a report to come back to show you what your metrics are and how you're doing. And then that comes back and you're like, okay, we're going to come up with a strategy and yeah. blah, 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 blah. You know, like you're there in the restaurant, you work as a team. Um, you know, like for me, that's a big part of it like being part of a team like I think that for me it's like a lot of the same thrillers that you know I guess a sporting a professional sporting player would get yeah. you know like being there every day with the same people and you're fighting a battle like page, yeah. That, yeah. that's it like yeah. how many industries think, can you really say that like we're all like in the trenches together yeah. and at the end of it like we've achieved something we get to have a beer and we like wipe the state clean tomorrow and start again and start again i think and, that extends to the whole industry though as a yeah, community for sure. like it's pretty amazing that we can all sit here and all the different guests that we have had and we will have had and we're all friends and we're all in the same industry. We all work at different places. Like Jim Bob's plumbing and Marco's plumbing down the road, 
they're not like they don't all go out together on the weekend and get pissed right, or yeah, whatever. You know point. what I mean? Yeah, because where's, they're all yeah. plumbers. Where's, yeah. The, yeah. where's the Sydney plumbing podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like yeah, that totally. that part of it and down the working, drain, mate. Working towards that through your career and meeting people yeah. through your career, working at all different restaurants. But, but again, that's something that's changed a lot, isn't it? You know? Yeah, that didn't used to happen no, as much. No, I mean, it does now, no, this industry is such a. I think that an important a, cultural a thing a now. You know, community and it's a lifestyle. Like for me, it's it's my life like that's it all my friends are hospitality you know my husband's hospitality so and you know that's what our life revolves around good food good drink um i think that we live a really great lifestyle like i love having the days to myself well for the most part you know having those days and um you know understanding about good food and wine like yeah i think, well, I, think I live my passion hospitality basically. like in that sense sometimes is a really great lifestyle choice yeah, yeah. and i think and that then, sometimes we kind see, of there's another good reason that. to get into it it's oh, a really it is community you know it is, yeah, yeah it, do you think you make friends for others for has sure, that right? has that extended like is that getting becoming a bigger part of it now Australia? Well, that's something I'm i mean i'll see you guys you know like when i'm at the fish shops sometimes i'll see you guys get together for lunch or telly or yeah. on your days off you know it's just a yeah you wouldn't, you wouldn't have there, necessarily right? seen that with senior chefs back no, in the day, right? not at all. Who was your Rat Pack back in the day? Well, we had a Brit Pack in Melbourne in the 90s. <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. no. no <laughs> I hope we're about to. Yeah, so it actually revolves around one hotel. They built the Hyatt on Collins, you know, the big gold thing on Collins Street in Melbourne. So uh, there were three or four chefs at the Hyatt in London that got flown over and like, repatriated, basically. To open this joint, Ian Curdy is now they were European, and Zabo is up, up in Queensland, and and then a few more joined. I came over, and not for the Hyatt, but we we came over eventually, and then Donovan Cook came, and Michael Lambie, a few big names. So yeah, they they call us the Brit Pack. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> you got any? Well, cool it was then. It was then. any cool adventures you want to share? No, 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 no. Sort of. no. <laughs> nothing on we cooked, nothing on the we public cooked. nothing on the public record. <laughs> So the actual are you no, it was okay a big thing in Melbourne, yeah, it was, it was big. The actual yeah. are you okay dinner that you organised, uh, there was a <sighs> yeah. I'm still thinking about it. It was huge, like, and you and the idea was yeah. you got two two chefs to collaborate. We did. Together. Um, How many chefs? Well, one, one of the ideas was about fourteen, I think. But one one of the ideas stemmed from the fact that Bistro was turning ten, and there was another sort of reason to just do this, just sort of have a bit of a party after and um, well, Bistro the name anyway. Um, and then from my Basically, from my 35-year career, I just picked people that I'd met along the way or I'd worked with or I loved like Ben Shuri and just, you know, got Thomas over from LA and threw him in with Dan Hunter How for a beef How did you manage main. to get Thomas Lim to oh, cook at your event? <laughs> what was him. his rider? How much yeah. coke did he need, like, out the back? <laughs> How many people did he fly out with him? Yeah, what was he flew his on his own. Listen, listen to this. He flew on his own economy, yeah? What? Yeah. yeah. Because he had Jolly ready. We cancelled on one guy. Yeah. We cancelled one guy because he wanted business class. I'm like, just can't do it, mate. You're, you're For more, charity. You're, yeah, your you're, you're fare's going to cost more than every other Who ship put together. I can't yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, an incredible response. Like, nobody said no. And then we got all 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wine donated and yeah. Maryvale gave the Ivy Ballroom for the night. All this stuff. It was fantastic. Um, and we raised about 100 grand. Oh, it's huge. That's fucking yeah. insane. For a really small charity. Like, I just, and half of that was at the auction. Jane and I are cooking a dinner party. Somebody paid 30K oh, at auction. Which is, so I'm shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to cook for that? <laughs> um, we very rarely talk yeah. about food on the podcast. And I'd love for you to kind of break down some of the dishes that, that were served at the dinner as well. Oh, my God. If you can remember. If not, so we can pretend I never asked this. We can go through them. Yeah, so David Swain runs a really wonderful restaurant. He was my first sushi over the George in the mid-90s. He did a lovely... Um, Is he from Fino? Fino. Yeah, right. So just, what, the trivia. so just see what I mean? There was a connection to me throughout the whole lineup. So David did a wonderful pristine oyster for a canapé. Dan Peps did a, yeah. a dried Cavalli Nero canapé with anchovy and garlic. And Morgs did his chicken. So we had a few canapés to start. And then with some trolley drinks. So Byron used to work at fish shop. So yeah, that was great. And then the entree was um, Ben Shuri did a, they did a vegetable potato dish with roast cheese butter um, with the three Redux boys, your mates. Darren did the Mark three Redux do anything? Yeah, they did a bit. Ben? They did a bit. They went off for a Mary's Burger mid-prep, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> flown, flown around we in turn around, the they're gone. <laughs> and they looked My head chef was Julian in there. Pickled carrots. I mean, okay. <laughs> it looked it looked amazing the whole time. It was Don't fantastic. It. Yeah, it was cool. So that was a great dish, and then that was with um, some um, Crawford River Simsap, and then Doctor John. Yeah, Big John, and then um, a really nice raw scallop dish from Daniel Alvarez, mm-hmm. who I've obviously worked with at the fish shop, and Ben Greeno, who's opening Pennington's. We've got a bit of Maryville happening in there. Mm-hmm. They did a raw scallop sort of zucchini lemon number, which is lovely, yeah. lovely and fresh. And then the first meat course, so going back, so Ian Curley, who I mentioned from the European, did a chicken dish with Colin Fassenage. That was a love. From the Brit pack. Yeah. We reunited. And they did a shared... <laughs> was Colin part of the... Colin came pack? in and, yeah. No, he wasn't. But he was a no, he's later. He wasn't allowed. Yeah. He was the, no, he I, was the I, bank I, pack. I knew that. I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> he's young. He's much younger. <laughs> just wanted to reiterate that. <laughs> 
So he poached a chicken and we put that in the middle. So his table's at 10, about 250 people. So he poached a chicken and we put that in the middle to share, which was really nice with spring veg and a pea broth. That was beautiful. And curly flat, Pinot Noir, which was good. And then Dan Hunter did the main course beef with um, Thomas. So Thomas, Thomas pickled some seeds and some spring veg. Pick, pick some peas Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Elizy was joking the whole time that he was just yeah. going to be like, oh, yeah, chef, yeah, whatever you reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, chef. So Dan Hunter... Um, he was heaps scared of Dan Hunter. <laughs> Dan Hunter cooked his poor Dan. He had about 100 kilo of beef short rib to cook, so he pre-cooked it at Bray like over two weeks. But these guys worked so hard for me. Yeah, we saw uh, Trish. Amazing. Yeah, Augie's missus who works at Bray, yeah. and she said that they'd been like cooking short rib <laughs> after service. And they arrived the in Sydney smiling, like it's still. How, did, how do you I get that much short rib from Melbourne? See, this to is Sydney. all this is all donated. So O'Connor beef via Vix donated all that beef. Oh, yeah. So we had an amazing, awesome. amazing response. But how do you get the cooked beef from Melbourne? To Sydney? Well, they just cured it. You it turned out. Oh, that's wild. And then the day before, it accidentally got thrown in the freezer. So luckily, somebody noticed. But Dan Hunter's arriving lunchtime on the Tuesday of the dinner. Your beef's a little bit firm. <laughs> <laughs> Half his braids like in a hundred kilo of this shit. That was funny. He was really relaxed. He said, "Don't worry, we'll just we'll steam it. It'll be fine." Wicked. And he cooked it overnight with some um, mountain berry and uh, what was it? Short vanilla. It was crazy. Beautiful dish. And then we had some cheese, specially made for us from Willowbray. Some goat's cheese. I'm so, amazed that you yeah. remembered all this. Yeah, it was clearly memorable. That's a, yeah. Yeah. And who, who David w- Levitt served that with some quince and some homemade bread. Who, who worked on the floor? Cause and this was another big part of it. So yeah, so um, and so dessert just quickly was yeah, thank Luke you. from Gary. Luke from that was the end of the no. Day. Sorry, so Luke and Luke from Joel's not a dessert fan. Luke Burgess and um, Brent Savage did dessert. Some strawberries and fermented borage and awesome. And then. Um, so I wanted to make a really big thing about the floor as well, you know, just the service side of things. So it wasn't just about chefs. So, yeah, we had the Fratelli guys and, you know, Jerry Jones, who'd been with me at MG, is now Mr. Wong. And Simon Denning came out from Izakai down in Melbourne. It was an crazy lineup of front of house as well. So it was, I think that's what made it twice as unique. And you know, like the floor was as important as the... Yeah. And everyone had a great night and hence the auction result. And yeah, that's massive. So, um put together really well by Jane my wife she, she orchestrated the whole thing like project managed it and um, so probably if we did do it again maybe every two years I think we could do it yeah right it's not the sort of thing you could turn around and do on a yearly no, basis because you've got to yeah. start asking again in nine months yeah. time you know like, yeah. but um, and people get over, do people get a bit over charity events I'm not sure do probably there's certainly a lot of them when, isn't there when Neil does one With every three months and, and stuff yeah <laughs> I, mean, I think but your thing you know but it was say, quite unique yeah yeah exactly and it's also um, I think like you've there's results there as well yeah. which people would understand and as I kind of brushed on earlier you did um, it's kind of quite a quite nice connection with our industry at the moment about you know looking after people and especially youngsters you know yeah I think or looking after ourselves as well you know I exactly. think that like you know we were talking about before managing other people I think like a big part of it is managing yourself I was going to say you can't look after anyone else if you can't look that's after, it look after yourself, you, know? you know and sometimes yeah. you just the stress of either owning a business or running a restaurant or a kitchen like it can be intense and you know there are points where i'm like you know i'm not going to break and i'm not going to ever like mm. yell and scream and behave like that and then you get to that point and you do something and it's kind of like a big wake-up call and you're like what what happened to me like where I, did that come from i actually I felt that way while i was editing phil wood's uh, <laughs> jokes last didn't, week didn't on the Rene, podcast Rene Rezepi, didn't he write an article in lucky peach yeah, he very did. Very yeah. Similar about yeah. kind of almost burning out sort of thing. Yeah, but also just the way he was treating people and he actually 
Yeah, it's know, like the Mal- Idol Kitchen or how do we get there. Him, and he's yeah, it's really good. And he regretted it, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Spe- speaking mm. of food, Strady, like you've created some of the most like iconic dishes that are probably around in Sydney at the moment, like your corned beef and stuff like that is legendary. Corned beef shortlist. No, it's not. Like for for yeah, well that's what I was gonna say. For Bistro's birthday or something, not many, last not many year or the year before, long. you did like a greatest hits oh, yeah. menu, and it was like ten mm. things long, and they were all just fucking ridiculously good. Thank you. And like I. I, when we opened Acme, I honestly thought I'd be out of ideas in three months. Like, how do you sustain a 25-year yeah, career? Yeah, I have to say, I mean, I do. Like I said, I'm not coming up with that stuff all the time. I mean, it's... Do you get bored of having those things on no, your No, because I think I really enjoy doing them so well, and I just really enjoy using... I mean, I still do... I, mean, I don't cook exactly the same thing, you know, still month on month. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Or, you, or somebody comes up with an, another piece of bread meat you haven't seen before or you know yeah. how, do, how do you guys feel yeah, about I mean, like having a signature dish is it like being typecast as an actor I kind of hate it like that's why mm. we always used to add juke we used to if something used to get put in the paper too much we'd take it off the menu yeah. but now like remember when like the, the GNT got yeah. taken off people, people would lose their shit <laughs> oh, but their you shit. know like Acme you had signatures of Pinbone you weren't that old I mean it just happens doesn't it yeah, oh, do oh, something I, really really well and people just come back for it yeah it's, it's a funny one I, I embrace them because it gives people mm. what they want it mm. gives them a sense of safety when they come to the mm. restaurant it puts a lot of pressure on the kitchen though because we tended to not take signature dishes off and just added more and your so huge, the menu went to, to just like ludicrous size <laughs> yeah I remember going there for oh, a brunch not that brunch. long ago I was like yeah. how many pieces of paper is this I was like menu. I didn't get that piece and of and paper and a bit of dinner like, was, what's that special there's all these other pieces of paper yeah. but the, th- the thing like, more more. Plus, plus what Mikey would send you as well yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about exactly. to say he fed me a few things and yeah. I just crawled out of there I mean, just, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you closed Mike the thing is too that like if you have a signature thing people can come in with expectations and only come in for that dish and stuff like that and that can affect the rest of the restaurant in a way you know what I mean when people come in with these ex- expectations and I'm coming here for this dish and that's one thing on a dish of menu you know at Pinbane it was a dish of 50,000 things a menu of 50,000 things and they come in for one dish you know so it's it's kind of good and it's kind of bad like we're pretty lucky at Acme people come in f- and know about the bologna sandwich or know about the macaroni but at the same time so I think bologna sandwich is on yeah, See? but you know <laughs> why? You know why though? Be- because it's it's good margins. Yeah, they're good right, food okay. costs, yeah. <laughs> and also, but also because I still enjoy making them. Yeah, cool. when I don't like making it anymore, or I get bored of eating it, then I'll take them. But off. it's partly a, biz- a business decision. I mean, I, I had bistro in cereals for seven years, which in restaurant years is like it's 30, quite a long time, you know, but. I mean, I remember one week I took the steak off on a Saturday night because I was just so doing sick of doing sixty seven percent steaks, and James like, "You're a fucking idiot!" Like, what it was are you like doing when Ted's took the uh, ocean. Do you want to go, bro? Oh, yeah, that's good. Do you remember that oh. when Tetsu's took the uh, confi ocean yeah, trout right. off the menu? And I it, like, lasted for maybe like a couple months, I think. Yeah. Half a service, on. yeah. <laughs> From walked out, but it, it's also to you it's feel it an obligation to to look after your customers. So for us on a Sunday, yeah. people waited all week to come. I couldn't want that bacon tart. You whatever, could yeah. not give it to them. Mm. Like you know what I mean? There's a there's a sense of like satisfaction you get from looking after your customers. And Strody had you know bistro for so long. Mm. It's that you know you, you might be overcooking it, but if someone people came to Acme, yeah, if people come to Acme and they don't get a bologna sandwich, mm. they're not as happy. The 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 bistro the greatest hits dinner was was massive as as you would expect. But would you ever consider doing like? 
even if like you know, like like your greatest misses, like the dishes that didn't <laughs> that didn't catch on, but you had like a, a you know a close affinity with for whatever reason. It Wasn't never... that what the dip was, Lips? <laughs> and ooh, jeez, oh. Louise. I can't think of any. <laughs> was it ever? Was, have you ever had a dish so like? Have you ever had a dish that you really loved but and also people just it, don't get it? I've I've had a few of those um, like dishes that you think are fucking great and they just don't catch and it's it's bizarre. Like I don't understand yeah, my it. Food's what was that simple, chewy right? steak you did a drink that time? That took me ages to eat. <laughs> That was Limbo's uh, oh, man, short man. And you were so annoyed when I complained about Yeah, because you guys just had a shit palate Didn't get it at all <laughs> Pretty chewy <laughs> I totally remember that I don't remember that oh, That was awkward it's texture oh, Very awkward Joe's good at making things awkward yeah. It's one of, your, one of your specialties Yep But like, okay, So you, you can't remember anything that, that no, I mean, I, I like It was all hits I sort of nailed something and then just It's comes in year on year, you know, seasonally, pretty much. And we do also, we do really simple stuff, like really yeah, good oysters but if, if and something's a really good not steak. Good, and it doesn't make the menu anyway. Exactly. You realise before yeah. you go, oh, this is shit, and you scrap it. Yeah, but misses, like you can come up with great dishes that still miss. Like yeah. we had an octopus dish mm. on that was fucking sick. We had this guy that was catching octopus for us and bringing it in. It was fresh, freshest octopus I've ever seen in Sydney. And we kept we served it for a weekend, and we got three complaints that it tasted too much like octopus. <laughs> three separate complaints that it tasted like octopus, so we took it off. I two lost it. I got so angry. Classic. I was Sydney. like, that is the fucking stupidest comments I've ever heard. It tastes too much like octopus to be octopus. Have you have you heard of um, Russell's Pizza? No. no. <clears throat> Fair enough then. <laughs> Great story, bro. <laughs> hey, that's Joe. a second. Speaking of pizzas, well, I'm not going to tell a story awesome. about something you don't know. Is what that a bad guy? Russell or let, 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 no, let's pretend R- Mikey said Jeevans. yes. It's like a pizza place in Wollonga in South Australia, but he's the guy. Oh, that it's first, in South Australia. No one knows. Fucking heard of it. First uh, brick pizza oven and all that. He wrote a book about it. I don't know how else to explain to him. Explain him to you. It sounds like you've done it. Well, yeah. Well, anyway. It's a place that like, it was only ever open Friday nights and it was like booked nine months in advance right. kind of thing. And uh, when he first opened, I, used, I was 14 and I used to wash the boards that the pizzas went on. Pizzas went on boards because it was easy, not because boards were <laughs> like a thing. And now they serve pizza in jars. <laughs> um, on top of milkshakes. And uh, he didn't have a menu and people would walk in and like he was batshit crazy and people would walk in and they'd go, um, he'd be like, oh, is there anything you, I'm just going to cook for you. Is there anything you don't eat? And they'd be like, oh, we don't eat octopus. And he's like, oh, cool. And he'd like go and make an octopus pizza. Like he'd basically find the thing they didn't want to eat and then he'd make the pizza. But because everyone had like had their booking for three months and knew that if they didn't, it was amazing. Yeah. And then um, he, it's still going. But now it's on Saturday nights as well. And he's just an owner. He doesn't work there. I can't believe no one here has heard of Russell Jeevans. It's from Western Australia. We're South, Australia. South Australia, mate. South it's a lot closer. <laughs> if, you've, if you've heard of Russell Jeevans, please send me an email that I won't read. The Mitchin Podcast at gmail.com. Um, now, earlier in the episode, we mentioned that our good friend Clayton Wells, his restaurant Automata, also known as Auto Tomato, um, has, uh, has gotten the big review. The big review that, I guess, I mean, you, you, you place varying levels of importance on it when you're a chef, but it is maybe one of the more important milestones for when, when you open a restaurant, and that is the uh, Terry Durack review in Good Food that came out yesterday. Yeah, we had a bit of a bitch about it before we started recording, so maybe we can have a um, an adult conversation without it just turning into yeah. us all being nasty. So you definitely weren't reviewers. bitching about the fact that Clayton got no, no, a, not at all. a really good we, score, which we is 15.5. Was, we thought Auto Tomato was underscored. Mm. For what it is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I thought it. it I thought it would have uh, two hats. 
personally. Yeah, a rating of two hatch, which would be 16 out of 20. And, you know, we've sort of spoken about it before when a restaurant gets reviewed in the first two weeks of being open, it's kind of hard. But if you read that review, it's a really, we were saying earlier, it's a really positive review. And then Clayton gets scored, or the restaurant does, not just Clayton, but it gets scored 15.5. And reading that review, it leaves you no idea, and it leaves them with no idea where they can improve and what they need to do in order to earn a 16 or 17 out of 20. So for us, it's it's kind of shit. And for Clayton, it's kind of shit too because he doesn't know what areas they need to improve on. And there's no transparency so you're from saying, that review. You're saying maybe give him the 16 and then in a few months or another year when it comes to the guide, if he hasn't, if he hasn't there, earned it, then it goes down to the... Yeah. Well, I think what we were saying was that uh, across the industry, we feel it's a two-hat restaurant. Now, people will make arguments that... Well, what does that mean now too, right? Yeah, that's well, it. that's it. It's only our instinct on what we think and what we see and where we eat and where we go. And then you find like people make the argument that it's only been open for seven days, so it can't be a two-hat restaurant. Well, our argument ben, is... Ben Along was open for seven days and was a two-hat restaurant. Yeah, so but I mean, even if, if they're going to review you in such a short period of time with the pressure on for them to print a story, and I, I understand that. Yeah, I think my take on it is to over... Overscore. Mm. If you're unsure, like give give more because it's mm. it reflects so heavily on the business, and then he's got nine months to maintain that level. Yeah. Well, I think it's crazy how yeah. quickly we get reviewed over here. Oh, it's bullshit. You know, I like I don't really understand apart from you know wanting to be the first to review. What really? What does that achieve? You know, it's not a real true reflection it's, or review of what. That business it's been is, like that for a while now. Yeah, when you I, know, they're, they're in mm, those doors within two days. Sometimes. Yeah, when I opened, One day. when I moved Bistro to the city, yeah. the first night, Pat North was in one corner and Terry was in the other. Did that happen when you opened Bistro on Burke Street? Almost, not quite as. So it's I, kind I of progressively got. Gotten, yeah, but it's sure it's more. due to the internet. Isn't does it, it sell it's papers though? Like the fact that they're reviewing mm, the newest place? Helps, or does the, yeah, re- I th- I think or does the fact that it's a review sell no, papers? No, I think, I think it helps. And it's also that they want to be in before all the bloggers and stuff get in mm. on it. And everyone gets over but it I because mean, everyone's heard about else it. else in the world, they, like, they don't do they, that. I think it's a it's a it's it's a cry it's like they're looking for relevance it's print media so it's it's losing its relevance in the modern day so to to beat the bloggers and all that I think instead of trying to get in before them do a better review you know like I thought Lee Tram Lamb's review which is a blog review was so much better and it came out the same day but it was in depth and it was thorough you know and I think it's hard for them because they get a small amount of space in a paper where they have to you know put a little caption of a brand new restaurant and talk about it for the next 12 months in you know 1200 words so why not make the reviews bigger take a little bit longer go in depth and offer the reader some genuine insight into the restaurant actually See, I mean, beat them at their game by doing a better job than the bloggers I'm like obviously not uh, a chef or like working in a kitchen or anything like that but we spoke about Lethlian briefly before so John Lethlian that writes for Weekend Australian magazine um, one thing I would say about his reviews is that at least like there's just places that he's been lately and that he goes to. It's not always the newest spot. It's not always the newest yeah. spot. It's quite often if he's been it's on the Gold Coast him. for a week, yeah. he'll review somewhere. It on took the Gold him Coast. almost seven, eight months to come to Acme and review. It. That, that's yeah. what I mean, and I I kind of think like yeah, his he, national makes a big difference. Though, but then he's well. sort of that's the same. Yeah. But then he's never re- his reviews are sort of a bit more on point. I think yeah. with as far as the. 
They're longer too. Concerned. Look at the depth and the, but good the food, length of his article. They have a you know not a responsibility, but they 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 definitely aspire to have their finger on the pulse mm-hmm. and definitely try and you know have that. It's not it's not comparable to a blogger because I mean I think I feel like now people are more likely to read more when they read a blog. They're they're more open to reading more when they read a website than they are a newspaper. I think he has to be a bit more succinct and okay. And, but going on that, where they want to be on the pulse and stuff for a restaurant like. Automata, that is an amazing snapshot, and it was something that Sydney was lacking. It's a six-course menu, so at relevant, eighty-eight dollars. It's extremely relevant, and they don't get any credit for that. And that's almost completely over Terry's head. The fact that they are doing something that is really re- like no matter what, the f- if Terry doesn't like the food or whatever, or if he has a problem with the way they put plates on the fucking table, but that restaurant is doing something that's extremely relevant. On a worldwide scale, in that a way. is as of the pulse as you can get. If you go to Copenhagen and Paris, London and New York, <clears throat> you want to compare Sydney on a global scale. That restaurant is as good, if not better, than some of the ones that we book in months in advance to go and eat at. And it's in a style and price point that's on a like a relevant level worldwide. And the fact that the head reviewer for the Sydney Morning Herald has no idea about that—that's a big problem. Yeah, I mean, we don't, do you know for sure he has no idea, though? He just chose to admit that. I'm pretty sure he's got no idea. Well, but, but is there not room for him to... Ma- well, not necessarily him, but if if you're talking about the pulse element, can they not do a feature on, well, well, I think on we, the we, restaurant we like, the week that it opens? In our, exactly. In our second it, episode, we, we, we suggested... Later. Well, no, like but you they do, do, that do two reviews. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they do it very rarely, but yeah. I feel like okay. a, a lot of publishers have a fear of, of featuring something regularly. Whereas I think familiarity is fantastic for a reader. Mm. I feel like if they if they were told, you know, that was our first review of this place, we're going to come back three months, six months, um, and do another review, and it will be, you know, maybe page three and four as opposed to one and two. Well, they could be online reviews. No, so I think are, to yeah, I feel like people like- are always interested. You know, I feel like if they, a follow up review would have as much. Uh, pull mm. to a reader as as, as a first time review. If not more, you know, like yeah. it's I, I, I think people want to see the progression. Yeah. But I, I think on the progression note, man, I th- I feel like this is a little bit of a a, a play where yeah they got fifteen point five in the paper, but I'd be extremely surprised if a year from now the Good Food Awards, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get two hats there. Yeah, Actually, but that's not the Dave same Chang level though. When Dave Chang opened Momofuku, I remember him mentioning he was quite surprised or even shocked. How quickly we get reviewed here. You've got yeah. to remember yeah, too, totally. though. Like I remember him saying that, yeah. It's a play. It's 15 and a half for nine months, 12 months. He's got to carry one hat as his symbol. Yeah, it's and a play for the benefit of the paper, not Clayton. Yeah, it's and it's a shit for business, man. Like, if you think that that restaurant is one hat, then what Mitch is saying is you missed the point. You know, in our... No, I, I totally... I'm not, I totally agree. Now, it's though? way better than Pinbone. It's, it's way better than Acme. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. 100%. 100% it is. See, there's one thing that I'll Wait, say... Wait, say again, Mama. Sorry, yeah, we were talking. Carly Can said. you repeat No, yourself? I was going to say, do you think, like, that those reviews really have as much relevant and pull as they did? Yeah. But I think the person that wants to go to Clayton's restaurant, like I have to say, will be like, oh, 15 and a half, I'm definitely going. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know? So, and like, I think as the general population... It's also a good... Like, Clayton's even said, in some ways, it's good because it allows them to be a neighbourhood restaurant, which they want to be. But the issue is that when you look at the scale of other restaurants that have got 15.5 or 15 in the Good Food Guide and stuff... Or 16. When, or 16. When there's no consistency between those. And what about your chefs that are pulling their fucking asses out of bed every morning 
working their asses off and have earned that fucking score. You know what I mean? And they want to turn around and see that in the paper and they want to be rewarded for it. Like, you know, those guys in those kitchens, they're putting out food of a level that's of a three-hat standard, charging one-hat prices. Yeah. Like, in a, in a dining room where an investor's just dropped millions of dollars to, to support the Sydney dining scene, you know, and the general public and the hospitality and the, the chefs have all got on board, you know, and, you know, if I was one of the chefs that was working there, I'd be gutted. You know, because I know the food we're doing. I eat at all the other restaurants. I know how hard I'm working. I know the produce we're using. And then to put that back into that score, it'd be laughable. So if 15.5 is is like a, a bad... It's or, a great it's score. A, it's a great but, score. But, what score but comparatively, comparatively, it was a good review. We're just saying we were a bit surprised we didn't get 16 at least. So it, yeah. Mitch's point of how do you get to 16... Mm. Yeah, if, break it break it down, Mike. How. Like we're talking, mm. break it down like we're talking about yeah, before. Because you reckon it would be it would be better if it, if it, if they they broke down what the twenty points went to. So, uh, so you yeah. had so uh, this is just food, something that we were talking atmosphere, about. Yeah, I would service. like to see a transparency where the food is judged for the food's sake. So it could be out of twelve of the whole twenty that they give you, or the hundred, whatever they're marking these days. Service, hospitality, dining room, tablecloths, whatever. Put it down. If you get a if you get a point for having a fucking waiter in a penguin suit, that's fantastic. Some people can afford to do that. I think Key and Benelong and you know Rockpool pay thousands of dollars to look as good as they do, and they deserve to get points for that because it's a great dining experience, and we all love doing it. But the food should be judged, you know, on a on level, par. on par. There should be some transparency so we can all see where we're lacking. Like, if we get 15 out of 15 for food and they say your dining room's shit and it looks like a pop-up and you're working in a garage, well, you just cop that. You know what I mean? But if they say your food's shit, then at least you can work on it. So you mean so you can see a consistency across the... I'd love the, to see yeah. it. Yeah. Across the board. Yeah. You can, you can then yeah. score every restaurant like food to food. Mm. Yeah. It takes out all the other elements. So do you think it's more difficult for them now that restaurants are so varied and diverse? Do you think it becomes harder to... Give a consistent rating without breaking. Well, maybe it, down, it is. Like I mean, that was, you, you made the point earlier about you. Uh, all this, the point Mike was saying. You know, like, how does Master get fifteen point five and Audemars? How do they get the same score? Yeah, I didn't know you Master know, got fifteen point five. Yeah, yeah, so do you know what I mean? Which is a much more casual environment. So that's it. No, saying no how, one's criticizing yeah, food. Master's good. Well, yeah. It's great. Yeah. I'm sure it's great. Good. But um, but they didn't drop. Just seems twenty million into a development. You know. Do you think sometimes that might work against a restaurant though? I don't know. Like it doesn't. Sure. It de- and it depends what you name. Like, if the Fink Group dropped four million to Benelong, it was never not going to be successful. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's a guarantee. But maybe if I stumbled onto four mil and dropped it into a restaurant, who knows if I will get the same but level what if, of automatic respect what for if, that? What if Terry before he ate it? What if Terry Otom- put four mil into Automata? <laughs> <laughs> what if he? What if before he, he ate his, his meal at Automata, he went into the Old Clare Hotel and had to pay nine dollars for a pint of Rushes? That could have tainted his entire review. But that's got nothing to do with it, though. Uh, to me, it just I just wanted like, to call that out as being and, and to me, horrible. We're not, we're not calling out like master in any way whatsoever. We're just using no. two scores because they came yeah. at the same time. They yeah. were two weeks apart, same scores. To me, you read that and you think, like, if I look at those things, it says to me the food they're doing at master is superior to the food they're doing at at Automata. Yeah. Because if they get the same score but the service and the wine program and the dining room is better at one restaurant, but the score's the same. You know, so to me, there's just a... I don't, I don't understand that. You have to say that master is a lot easier to pronounce than automata. <laughs> That's if we're saying it right. Automaster. <laughs> Nailed it. 
Automaster. I'm here all week. <laughs> At 121BC. <laughs> Um, do we want to uh, talk any more about that? I, I, I didn't, not, didn't necessarily agree with everything I was saying. I just felt I had to add that point of difference. Yeah, and I uh, guess but I got some real, when it's I funny wanna... you say, do we want to... Yeah, because we were saying the same thing 20 years ago. I don't think... Right. You know what I mean? Review and scores out of 20. Changed. It's always going to be so subjective. But is it, it's just... The other thing for me, Levs, is... I mean, you sort of have an idea of that side of things because you write for the guides now and stuff. Who are the next... Are the next generation critics coming up? Like, Terry's getting on... and. Who, but who comes behind him and takes over? Do you know what I mean? Or who, like, if Pat decides he's had enough of reviewing restaurants and just wants to go travel, and he's not, like, who takes Pat's place? Like, are there any? Is there anyone coming up? Like, you only give a fuck about chicken shops in the suburbs, so it's not going to be you. <laughs> but <laughs> like, how good that's, would that that's be? the worry. Like, like, and three after. hats this year. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing like the awards are held in Parramatta yeah. <laughs> I think like Parameter. getting back to, to what Kylie said like and this touches on what Mitch just raised is that as much as we are like giving them grief and saying we don't agree with the reviews or whatever the reviewers are so like linked into our industry and we need them good like that's all we want we want good reviewing yeah. you know because we need them to call people out we need them to big people up and we need them to cut people down. Like they're so important to our industry to get Sydney moving in the right way and Australia moving in the right way. I, I totally agree with you, but can you please give me an example of when a reviewer has called you guys out for something and you've taken it and gone, okay, cool, I need to... I need I've to been called out at Duke for cooking octopus and it being... Too octopusy? Too octopusy and not being tender and not being chewy. Uh, being too chewy and Terry couldn't eat it and he said that in a review twice twice that he couldn't eat it and he had to spit it out and that resulted in me changing supplier changing the octopus I use and changing the cooking method that's feedback I can use and I can go okay fuck Terry got a bad piece of octopus let's make sure that doesn't happen again and it's not always about specific dishes but it's about them actually critiquing the industry and keeping it in check and moving it forward in the right way and having a relevance having like a thought process knowing what they think is three hats like what the fuck is a three hat restaurant in their opinion and like you know, I mean like, I guess like when you talk about reviewers um, and their importance in the industry it makes me think like you know what is the purpose of a review is it to really get an overview of how this restaurant plays you know a part in our industry where it sits and on a global scale you know how we fare in regards to you know the rest of the industry or is it just a matter of one person's opinion, how they feel, if they like the food or not? Like, you know, really, like, what? Well, I think what is the purpose I of the, the review, sin- and the how do we, morning, you know, how do we understand it? I think the SMH is more like it's one person, whereas gourmet is a bit more. Where does it fit in the industry, I, I, and where does it? SMH is definitely a few more people in the broader scheme. Of oh no, for the good food guide, yes, oh, but oh, that sure. weekly review yep. is one person's sometimes outdated and uninformed opinion and that's the way it is but that's fine and but it's, it's true, you can laugh at me for saying that but not many people say that because they're worried that they'll was, get blacklisted I was laughing with you Mitch no, but, no, but people won't say like, won't call that out because they feel like they'll get blacklisted for speaking out against it and stuff and it's not like that's, Terry's uh, Instagrams full of photos of his recent dining trip to Copenhagen or fuck anything, he was good on know? Twitter though I mean he was good but you know, but when you read Pat's reviews, it's a bit more. This is what's happening now in Sydney. This is X, Y, Z. This is why. You know what I, I mean? I think also too, like if you think back to the height of Tets, right? The reviewers 
just couldn't speak highly enough of that place, and rightly so. They, they identified it in, a, in Sydney as a, a place that was ahead of its time yeah. and pushing the world forward. And I'm not saying that people in Australia need that kind of press at the moment because there's only one Tets. But when that happened, look at all the people that it drew. Dave Pint came from Western Australia. Like every chef in Sydney came from New Zealand, like Phil and Lukey. You know, and everyone around the Annalise, world. Everyone came in to, to, to work in Sydney. So that's how important reviewers are. Because when they get on board and they write accurately and, and talk in a global sense and say, this place is right on the money, mm. it, it bigs up our industry. Mm. You've been listening to the bitching. <laughs> Every week, it's not credit no, no, credit it's not to Joel Amos for that joke. I wanted to use it. <laughs> I've been, I've had a few good ones lately. Hey, love. Yeah, some good ones. That's why we had you on. Um, hey, where love. can we? Where can we uh, catch everybody? Oh, that's it. We're done. Yeah, we want to end it there. Hour, it? It's been over an hour. We've been Mikey. we've been bitching for an hour plus. <laughs> it's been good. Just come so easily. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> and I feel like you know, we, we we'll have chefs on. We'll have people from the floor. We'll have people in the in the alcohol industry. We'll have people that write about food as well. And I feel like, you know, I feel like the arguments like those are important to have because in the end, if the right people hear well, them, it means... process, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we don't really get to have them with all sides mm. as well. But we'll endeavor to do so, oh, Mitch and listener. Um, Jeremy, where can we find you cooking these days? Mainly bistro and a bit at the fish shop. Yeah. And on the internet? A little bit. Not as much as I used to. What, what's your Instagram, guys? <laughs> my... It's a my wife, it my wife, be the truth. my wife had an intervention. <laughs> that was really that was wrong. He had the best Instagram account. It was it was magic. What Bring was it? it oh, was it the Jezebel? Which one? <laughs> They're all good. Everything you do is <laughs> you have multiple Instagram accounts. Oh, yes, I have a no, secret one. No, no, no. So Jane show. doesn't know about I love, it. Jez is good. Call yeah, me Jezza. It's chilled out a bit. Call me Jezza. <laughs> uh, Kylie, <laughs> Kylie, we can find you at at Mamafikuserebo. And online? Uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> you don't want to say your account? It's yeah. a secret. It's on private. Uh, it's on private. At David Chang. Uh, <laughs> do, do you still have the blog? You used to have the blog, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah let's, oh, wow. That's, that's going <laughs> back a while before I was married. Can we still find the <clears throat> blog somewhere? Mm, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember the name. Yeah. So, that was I, a good yeah, read. Yeah, recipes and boys. That's <laughs> it. Wow, really? Yeah, pretty much. That's amazing. Luke used to be known as the cute boy or something. No, he was uh... the dream boat. <laughs> <laughs> there was so many. Oh wow! Sorry, what so was you were... his name? I remember the other ones. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> there was like salsa boys, Jew boy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so you after an actual address, were you like an official? Ins- I was after an official oh, okay. address. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Je- Jezza.strode, yeah. Jezza.strode? Yeah, on Instagram. On Instagram? And that's yeah. it. Yeah. I don't Twitter. Jokesy? <laughs> uh, underscore D-R-N-K-S underscore. For hot, hot deals. Yeah. And of course, that website is drnks.com. Dot com. And you can be found at 121BC. Oh, yeah, BC. but come and talk to me. Yeah? For, uh, for the next month, I'll be at 121. Um, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, you can find on Instagram at Pinbone. And uh, you're about to do a little stint. In the kitchen soon? Yeah, we're cooking at uh, 10 William Street under the tutelage of Luke Burgess. So come along and eat the food there. When does um, that start? I think we're, well, I'm in there from next week. Luke's in there from today. Um, so yeah, it's already fucking great, but it, it'll be just as good. Um, and we're maybe thinking about doing a, a brunch pop-up at Automata. So if you want that to happen, send emails to Levs and put pressure on Clayton. If you, uh, if you really can't wait to eat some 15.5 out of 20 brunch... 
Make sure you get on him and make sure that happens. You can find Mitch at Acme Restaurant. You can find him online. He's Insta currently Krill. online currently right online. now, as always. And Krillin on the run on Twitter. You can find me at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And please check out my other podcast, which is called Hey Fam. It's way better than this one. You've been listening to Mitch, and thanks so much. See you next week. <laughs> Edit that Fuck out, some you more, fucking hey. dickhead. It's the Mitch and Podcast with Krill Dog and Andy. 